Hi, I'm Franco De Bonis, Marketing Director here at Visua. And in this first episode in the series, we ask, are you crazy to even think about developing a visual AI application? We can do it ourselves. It's every company's battle cry, which can lead to amazing success, freedom and financial benefits, but can equally lead to massive failure, wasted resources and budget and lost opportunities as you're slow to market. So when it comes to computer vision or visual AI based projects, how do you decide whether to roll up your sleeves and start developing or call in the experts with ready to go solutions? Let's find out as I'm joined by Luca Boskin, CEO and co-founder of Visua, uh, Declan McGonigal, VP of Sales and Marketing at Visua, and we're really delighted to be joined by Gianpaolo Valero, Data and AI Specialist at Microsoft. Welcome each of you. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. Wonderful. If you can um, just give us sort of 30 seconds overview firstly of what each of you does, just to give some context. Uh, we'll start with Luca. Sure. So I co-founded uh, Visua with my co-founder Alessandro. And uh, what we do, we focus on building and delivering great image recognition technology. Fantastic. Declan. Hi, I'm the VP of Sales and Marketing at Visua. Uh, I've been working here for three years um, since we really started to uh, progress commercially. Uh, and work uh, along the lines of all the different clients we have in the different vertical markets uh, with visual AI. Wonderful. And lastly, Gianpaolo, what are you up to? Uh, well, thank you for the inviting and, uh, you know, lovely to be joined with all, all of you from Visual. So my role at Microsoft is I, I work with customers, a set of customers, uh, to help them develop their uh, projects from data, from SQL stuff to, you know, cognitive services, visual AI, uh, you know, uh, spelling checks, all of those AI cognitive services at Microsoft Office. Excellent. So each of you have really direct experience dealing with customers uh, and projects. So I'm really looking forward to this discussion. Uh, so let's get started. I guess the first question uh, really, and I'll, I'll start with you, Luca. The first question is, why are we even having this conversation? Uh, what is it about visual AI that makes it different in, in each of your opinions to uh, any other typical project that a company might just begin and start working on? Sure. Well, AI is complex by itself. It's a, it's a new doctrine in general, uh, but even more complex is uh, visual AI. Uh, so in a way, it is a challenge of a higher level of magnitude. And the reason for the complexity specifically with visual AI uh, lays in the fact that it's an extremely unstructured uh, challenge to solve. So if you compare visual AI with other forms of AI, say, for example, NLP, uh, uh, natural language uh, processing, uh, what happens with visual AI is that a concept like a dog, for example, is going to look extremely different in, in each single image where a dog is present. So it's extremely unstructured. While if you take somebody pronouncing or writing down the word dog, that's it. It's very specific. So the, the challenge with, with visual AI is, is the level of unstructuredness that it brings along. Um, and it's interesting because, uh, you can also prove its complexity, complexity through uh, neuroscience. Uh, so uh, not many of us know, but the larger part of our brain is actually dedicated to processing visual signals. Uh, so it kind of proves the point that even, uh, evolutionarily, uh, uh detecting, uh, uh, concepts and things visually is is a very complicated task. That's interesting. Gianpaolo, what's anything to add there from you? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I think what Luca was saying, every AI, every every model or every machine learning model has some noise to tackle. But I do think that, you know, a visual AI is specifically um, taxing and, and complex to really to nail down the model. Just think about, you know, I think we, you know, we have all the computer power that we can think of and we're still trying to um, create AI that could describe an image. And the reason for that is, is for example, if you look at my background, you know, you might see that I have a sofa, that I, have, I might have a frame that I'm wearing a, a hoodie uh, that I have. So depends what you're looking for. It also, it adds a lot to the noise. Uh, whereas with text, you know, it's it's easier. Uh, uh, sound, you look at the wave, but with, with visual AI, I think it's much more complicated on, a, on that sense. Hmm. That's really interesting. So, I guess at this point then, so we've identified it's it's a real challenge, uh, but I guess we need to also understand what do we mean by, when we talk about, so we've phrased this as DIY, do it yourself. Um, what do we mean by that in this context? Uh, and, and what is the alternative? So, I mean, Gianpaolo, obviously you, you, from a Microsoft point of view, what does that mean to you? Well, I mean, it's, it's I think, I, you know, um, I'm blessed to be in the position that I am uh, because I, I do believe we're going to make amazing things in the next couple of years in terms of, of AI and specifically visual AI. From a Microsoft point of view, uh, our job as a company, and that's actually in our mission statement, we try to, uh, you know, make everybody achieve more with every tool that we make. So we try to, our main goal, in, and especially in this one is visual AI, is to uh, create democratization of uh, visual AI tools. Okay, and we do it at three levels. Okay, so we do it for non-technical people. So we try to create tools that even people that would uh, see a like a PowerPoint type of software where you can drag and drop and do stuff, and that would create AI models in the background. We also then have Lego block style, and we have um, complete DNY where we just give you the computing power and you create all of your models. So we do try to, you know, um, we, we do try to, to create all of these tools that everybody can do their own AI. Uh, but what I found in, in practice is um, that's never the case. So you, 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 you do facilitate the use of a technology, um, but uh, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to work with more than 200 accounts or different companies. And, and, and I, there's a specific pattern where each and individual company that has been joined with experts in the area, their projects have been successful. Otherwise, it's quite difficult. Huh, that's really interesting. Uh, often people will think that some of these modular systems are plug and go, and it's like, ah, oh, we have a solution. So Declan, um, obviously Visua doesn't provide Visual AI in the same way that Microsoft does this, this um, Lego block and, uh, you know, very non-technical interfaces and that kind of thing. So, um, do you see this concept of DIY in the same way or how do you see it? Yeah, so I, I think one of the things that we've seen um, right across the board is, is visual uh, data is growing exponentially everywhere. And so is AI. And AI is a very kind of large, uh, complex field. Um, so there's a specific challenge and a unique challenge around identifying um, objects and getting information and data from all this visual uh, data around us. So in some instances, companies have been successful in being able to take down kind of uh, open source libraries, been able to address small projects using AI, whether it be voice, whether it be text, whether it be visual, etc. Um, and in, in some instances, these have been successful 
and successful maybe at POC stage. But we've also found a lot of our clients, um, even if they have technology, even if they have um, engineers, etc., who have some experience in it, once it goes past a certain size or, or past a certain level of complexity, um, it can often fail and can, it can often uh, be a lot more costly um, than if you identify specific um, experts in the field who can often deliver something for you much quicker. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that people have to be aware of is that every, every element of AI isn't the same. The challenges for every area aren't the same. And, you know, as, as we develop within it, um, you know, there are experts beginning to appear for all the different uh, various areas of it. And it's important to keep an eye out on who those are and why, the, why those people are being successful. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I, I would only add that there if you allow me. It's like, you know, sure. we, because I think we're sometimes like, for example, we have two tools at Microsoft that are very non-technical. So one, it's a machine learning studio, uh, machine learning studio, which basically anybody can log in. And it's, it's a web browser experience where you literally, you drag the, drag and drop uh, models and you create your own machine learning models. And that's not a specific on visual AI, but uh, machine learning overall. And then we have another tool, which is based on computer vision where, you know, you, you can create, you can create your own, uh, models to identify images. So for example, the demo that I do on this is that, you know, you create bikes and then you have mountain bikes or, uh, uh city bikes, right? And, and we can tell the different, the differences between a bike and a car, but unless you train the model, it's hard to then, uh, differentiate a, a mountain bike in a, in a city bike, right? So you, you basically, you put all the pictures and then you've trained the model without any tech or any programming behind to identify now a subdivision of, of bikes. So I think Microsoft, or, or in our case, we're, we're happily guilty to, to have you know made things easy so people can, can actually think they're quite achievable because they are. Um, but the problem is we're, we're, we're giving away the Ferrari as, as, as free as we can, okay? Uh, and as easy as we can, but it's still a Ferrari, okay? And if you give me, if I drive a Ferrari, I'll, you know, <laughs> locally I won't crash it, but it won't go as fast as if it, you know, Michael Schumacher would be driving it. And I think that's where uh, the, the question arises is who's driving the Ferrari? That's really interesting. So uh, the takeaway that I've got from this is, uh, you know, DIY is really about getting to a point where perhaps you've proven the concept and you've then understood your project a lot better. Um, and at that point, there's a different decision to be made. Um, it might not be, for example, delivering the whole thing start to finish at scale and whatever. So that's a really nice segue uh, into the next question that I have. Um, basically, I'm just going to open this to the floor. So whoever wants to jump in. So when should companies consider? I mean, I would imagine there are scenarios where uh Paolo, for example there are scenarios where someone could could use the lowest level entry level solution from microsoft and just create something which they can is usable for them um and then there are going to be times when even your top level as you said without expert assistance they're going to get nowhere so i guess the question is when to diy and when not to diy so who wants to jump in well i i can i can give a kind of a um an overview of what I've seen sometimes in the market. So there, there's been times where we've had people, um, you know, in conversations or maybe in inbound chats where, you know, people have come along with us with a specific issue. And when, after we've kind of gone through it with them and, and um, 
identified what their issue was. Sometimes the project is so small uh, that you kind of nearly even say, so why would you use AI to do this? Um, it's something that's so kind of small and minimal in, in the bigger scheme of things. It doesn't make sense to do it because in some instances, people are um, kind of very fixated on saying AI must solve everything. So it, it has its place. Um, the other area where, where it, it makes sense maybe for people to do a DIY um, uh, kind of prototype might be in a very small POC of a use case. So they're, they're trying to figure out would AI or would, would you know some sort of AI models help them with a specific use case? And it might make sense for them to do it if they have some engineers then to say, take some stuff down, run it through and see, can they figure out that yes, this at scale would make sense. What they then have to do though is, is make the decision to say, okay, in being able to do that and at that small scale, is it something that we can scale out? What are all the other levels of complexity that are gonna be involved? What are the other decisions that are involved? What other integrations are we going to have to have? And then they have to be very clear about, do they have all of that um, expertise uh, to be able to produce a, a working model of something or a working product with it? So they have to be very careful that uh, at the outset, somebody may be able to create a small POC for something, but then they have to make sure that they're aware of all of the other elements that are required to make it, to bring it to production. Um, so it's just something that needs to be considered every time uh, somebody looks at a project like this. Yeah, scaling up is definitely a complete uh, different story. And maybe just to add on that also, it's difficult to see cases where uh, um, uh, you can be successful, but definitely if you have very low complexity, so say that you have to uh, uh, understand only one concept in extremely repeatable data, then perhaps you can manage to build something yourself and in a way even make it scale. But it's very rare the case where it's just one very specific model you need to identify uh, in extremely repeatable data. So, so, and especially in the, in the context of computer vision, visual AI, as we were saying previously, uh, a concept can look so different in each single image that there you go, you, you arise with the complexity of scaling it up as they come. I think that's that's to Gianpaolo's point about the bicycles. You know, if you're just looking for bicycles, then that's one thing. If you're looking for mountain bikes versus city bikes versus kids' bikes versus whatever, that's a whole different level of complexity. Are we talking about that kind of difference? Yeah, as well, absolutely. So right. if, if maybe you're just looking for the mega concept of bicycles and you're happy to uh, maybe only identify you know, 60, 70% of the bikes that actually appear, then mm. probably a, a DIY will, will even work if you need to scale it up to more concepts or identifying all the bikes and maybe start looking into the variants of bikes, it becomes, it becomes difficult and you need a bit of more expertise. And how does scale fit into this? So obviously, let's say you just got one concept or one, one type, uh, one classifier, let's say, whatever it is, that's, that's cool. But how does scale impact on that? So the complexity is could be simple, but the scale affect that also. Yeah, probably it's around cost and false positives. So as soon as you need to scale things, you're gonna see incredible server bills uh, because it's it's not uh, an obvious task to scale up uh, AI running on a lot of models simultaneously. You know, tens of thousands of models simultaneously, if not more. Um, and again, the problem of the false positive. So if you're looking just for one model and once in a while you get a mistake, that's fine. If now there's multiple models, multiple variations, 
the the, the number of of wrong answers starts increasing uh, at a, at, a, mm. at an incredible magnitude, and and the data is basically garbage, and you can't use it. And obviously, then it depends on the sensitivity to those to those false positives, negatives, whatever it may be. Um, anything to add, Gianpaolo, at this point? I, yeah, I, I think what, what I'm hearing from you guys, I think you've put in, I think very rightly so, uh, um, a kind of a quadrant of, you know, different, technically, when you're performing a, a, a visual AI, when to do it and when not to do it. I would add another, um, maybe, maybe, um, and another another angle to to that to that kind of quadrant, because I would also argue that it's not only about the technical point of view whether you're able or capable to do in the visual AI uh, DIY visual AI. Uh, it's also about the business. So, I, you know, I try to challenge companies. Okay, like if your core strategy revolves around the, that visual AI in your business model. Is built on top of what you're going to build on the visual AI, then obviously you're going to want to make the invest to create a team and to build a team to be able to tackle the visual, a visual AI problem that you're trying to uh, solve. Okay. But if you're, if you're a retail company or if you are, um, you know, a engineering company, even an engineering company, or if you are an energy company, whatever company you are, and you're just creating or adding on top of your business model, um, I would argue whether you really need to, to DIY on visual AI, okay? Uh, uh, and, and why not the same way you do it with other areas, you know, finance and other stuff. And so sometimes you bring other people that are expert. Why not talk to expert uh, on building or adding the visual, uh, visual AI business model and, and then get that help? So I, I mm -hmm. think I would also add not only the technical point of view, uh, but also the business conversations on top of that to make that decision. Okay, so let's get a takeaway from this and then we'll move on to the next section that I wanted to cover. So we've identified, you could all argue, a quadrant um, between, uh, you know, top left is low complexity, uh, high scale. Um, we've got high complexity, high scale, and then the opposites, low complexity, low scale, high complexity, low scale. And depending on the complexity and the scale, like if we went to the extreme, with the highest complexity and the highest scale, what I'm hearing from you guys, don't even try. Go get the expert opinion. Go get the expert help, whether that be expert solutions, expert, you know, uh, brain power, whatever it is to implement that. Perhaps to Declan's point, if it's low complexity, low scale, you almost need to think about, do I need to make this? visual AI or is it so such low scale and so simple that I can put humans to task on this um, at a reasonable cost so that's in and then to your point Gianpaolo we have uh, think about the business need and how reliant we're going to be on this technology uh, and wherever you are in the quadrant if we're super reliant on it we need to go and get help have I summarized that accurately yeah but I, I think there's another point, and I don't know if we have time, but then you have the security sure. and privacy piece with the visual AI, which is a right. whole, you know, set of topic um, about it. Um, so, but yeah, I, I think you've summarized it okay. accurately. Okay. So let's so let's spend um, let's spend just a few minutes, uh, very, very short amount of time, just to understand. Then, to some degree, you know. 
we've identified that there is a place for for doing this yourself to some degree. So before we move on to you know all the issues and what happens when how you should uh, outsource this, let's say, what are the benefits of of at least doing the proof of concept and getting to a stage where you've proven the the, the need for it and and the ability that you can do it. So what are the benefits of doing that? Luca, Declan, I mean, maybe one of you wants so it can to step be, in. The, the benefits can often be, you know, like anything at the, at the beginning of a project, if somebody wants to look at developing something new, put some new product, some put something new into their business workflow, they have to be able to go and present it to senior management. They have mm. to be able to articulate the concept. Uh, they have to be able to show some sort of, of, of proof of concept to see where it would fit and how they could put together a business case for it. So it can often be, useful to be able to do that in-house where you understand what the, the the kind of big level goals are but be able to articulate it and get some buy-in from people that you might need within the organization to help you to to bring it forward so you, you're always going to have to have multiple stakeholders uh, if you're going to you know if you're going to provide some new product or some new product set so it, so in that instance it can be it can be basically timely and it can also be something that's very focused and clear for your own business where you're speaking your own business's language to explain this is something that we see benefit in and where we want to go and take it that being said then what you have to make sure that you do is 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 it something that you can do yourself all the way through and make sure that you've thought about every single uh, element that needs to be done to put it into production um, but from that point of view the DIY element can be done and can be useful at the beginning where you don't have to rely on outside people and try to have to explain it all to them when it can be done much more quickly mm. internally. Okay. Luca, Giampaolo, anything? I mean, just to add on, on Declan's point, the important part, as you were touching at the end, Declan, is then not to be naive and think that you can uh, go from a demo to uh, a, a production great technology internally or if you think you can do it you should seriously analyze it rather than just thinking sure we can do it how quickly can things fall apart at that stage like you, you know you've got a working demo it looks fantastic the board see it and go wow this is amazing like does it kind of creak at the seams for a while and then or does it just sink to the bottom of the sea straight away when you start putting scale and well, pressure it, on it it, it can it, it, again because there are so many different uh, moving parts mm. the where we've seen obviously we don't say but where we've seen uh, and we've been told by uh, clients where uh, issues arose was that because the demo was set up because the proof of concept was done uh, even if it wasn't expressly said the, the the feeling was within the company oh that's great so we can do it ourselves you just need to kind of multiply that out now by 10x and we'll have a, a working product then you have the difficulty if that if that isn't uh, the way it works that people have to go back then and say okay look we now need outside help to do this and it can be something that can be very difficult to mm. to explain maybe to senior management or something that even people might be a bit embarrassed to go back and say look we, we sure. can't actually deliver this full scale um so so there's an element of of making sure that the expectation is set that if this is a proof of concept and it works that before they would come back and say how we would go to production that all of the elements have been have been investigated and not just given the impression to to kind of senior management in the company that once you can do something that's a particular size that you can just 10 exit or 20 exit right. so it, it's not that it's not that all of them fail at, at, at specific points but it's if the 
uh, if the expectation hasn't been set to say, okay, if we are going to go into production with this, we must go and look at all of the elements that need to be put together to do it, and then come back again to the business and explain how it will be done, um, rather than just letting people assume it can be just uh, multiplied out. I, I, you also have to take into account, like, you know, for everybody who's listening, right? It's like, you know, and let's call it out like like the way it is. You know, when when companies try to say that they're going to build their project on their own, and which is understandable, uh, you know, it's because they want control and they think it's going to be uh, cheaper, right? Because if you, you know, when, when somebody expert comes or charge you expert premium prices, right? And then you say, oh, oh I'll hire a, a, you know, maybe an intern uh, that is coming right out of college, you know, a fresh mind and will do the project, which, you know, I'm not saying they won't be able to do it. Um, but I, I, sometimes I think that could be a, um, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's, it's in Spanish, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's not real. Like it's a fantasy. Like you're, you're, you're trying to get control, uh, privacy because sometimes you don't want to share what you're doing with other companies thinking that you're going to be stolen and then it's going to be cheaper. And I would argue back that the, the three of them, you know, prove me wrong. Like, you know, I, I do believe that those three things that you're coming up to do the, the visual AI yourself are not really true and you're going to end up mm. paying more, have less control, okay, and uh, uh, probably less privacy even. Because again, uh, when you're doing visual AI or any AI for that matter, you also have to take security into account, which is not even part of the conversation today. Okay, so we're going to move on to the the pitfalls of it. But before I do, I want to leave, on the, uh, leave this bit on a positive note uh, because it was about the benefits. What I am hearing from you, though, is that it can help you to prove the concept, understand the challenge, understand the scope of what you need to do, because as you work through it, you know, maybe before you start engaging, I think Declan mentioned this, before you start engaging with the experts, you really need to understand what you're trying to achieve. And maybe that first step in building out the first part will help you do that better. So when you do engage with the experts, you can now show them what you've done so far, show them the scale of the issue, um, and you have a better understanding. Is that a good summary of, of that section? Okay, okay. So let's move on to the next part, which is, so we've identified that, you know, there is a great uh, starting point there, but what are the pitfalls? Um, what are the issues? Let's say, someone's watching this saying, I don't, you know, whatever you guys have said there, I don't agree with you. Um, I can, I can do this. Um, so what, uh, you know, what do you say to those in terms of the pitfalls that they're going to face if they do decide to press ahead and just do this themselves? I think from experience, the pitfalls that I've seen is, is, um, just people underestimating, uh, the complexity of, various elements of AI. Um, there, as we said earlier, AI is a very broad term. Um, and just because somebody has been successful in maybe developing some AI uh, projects, uh, either at another company or internally in your own company, doesn't necessarily mean that every AI project that they approach is going to be successful. Uh, and I think the key, the key thing, the key uh, pitfall that you have to make sure that you don't fall into is if you see that and we, if we take computer vision so there are computer vision there are libraries of of uh, models you know open source models there are services you can you can purchase and people think 
oh, you know, I can just take a bit of this and a bit of that, put it all together, and uh, it will create uh, what I want. And um, like everything, the, the complexity and the devil is always in the detail. So it's very important that people understand the clear complexity of any specific project that they want to address and that they can figure out is are all of the resources that they're using going to match and and address all of those concerns? Because if they go down a route and they get too far down it and then realize that they're missing certain elements, it's very difficult to come back up again and start again. So it's 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 that it's, it's that initial element of just making sure, you know, AI is all quite new and it's it's very difficult to just decide to get something off the shelf or something from an open source library. Um, where because you may have had some experience or bits of experience in some elements of it that you're you're, you're necessarily going to be successful in it. Uh, it it has to be something very very seriously considered mm. and luca have you got any sort of specific considerations if someone's you know they need to take into account or plan for i mean the main thing is that if you get it wrong it's going to cost you a lot more uh, mm. perhaps uh, that's a, a big challenge uh, and it's going to cost you in terms of dollars, uh, human resources, time wasted. Uh, so to me, it's it's mostly an, a, a thing of, of being efficient. It's like if, mm. if you know, if, if you get sick, if you have mild things, you can take care of them yourselves. As soon as you have uh, something more serious to look at, you need to get a doctor in the room uh, to make sure that he gets the right diagnosis straight away so you can uh, move on with your thing. So... Uh, losing the time to me, it's perhaps the most troubling part for a company where they may be uh, losing market share opportunities as a result of, uh, of of trying to scramble something together, or even or even an, an opportunity internally, right? Because I mean, some and I've seen this in, uh, with customers. I mean, for for me, it's also a little bit even more painful to watch because I talk to customers directly and I am measured internally on how much our companies use our different tools, okay? So the more they use a tool, the more I get a, a, a pat in the back, right? Um, and sometimes when I talk to customers, you know, I, you know, it's challenging to see that, oh, they wanna do it themselves. And, and you kind of already kind of see that that's, that one is gonna fail. And then what it ends up happening is that the project completely falls apart because that person loses credibility. Um, so mm. uh, that that's, that's Internally, you already lost the opportunity to even show to your bosses, board of directors, something that you maybe were really passionate about um, um, and, and, and thought it was very easy. The word I'm looking for, how do you call it when you're in the desert um, and you see water, but there's no water there? Um, I, I, a mirage, I, yeah. That's exactly, that's the one, right? So, okay. you know, look, and, and again, I think we're happily guilty from, from Microsoft sometimes of doing this. If you go right now, if you, if, if you Google, or Bing, whatever you want to uh, do. I am from Microsoft. I can. I have to say Bing. Uh, and you and you Bing uh, Computer Vision Azure. It's gonna get you to a, a website that you can actually paste in URL. It's gonna give you a description, so you see it and you're like, oh wow, anybody can do this, right? Um, but then when you're you're in the in the in the little pieces, um, uh, you know, it's not. It's like if I if I took a course on finance and all, and all of a sudden I believe I, I can be an accountant. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. The other thing that's, that we've kind of seen um, through some experience of, of people we've worked with in the past is, you know, sometimes um, people are very 
enthusiastic about kind of taking on a project, doing it themselves. And when they see that that project isn't going to be successful, uh, like Giampaolo was saying, uh, sometimes people would say, you know, they can kind of see the writing on the wall and a team gets disbanded and people start to leave. And then the company's left with a big problem whereby they haven't got what they were looking for. The teams have kind of left or split mm. and then they have to try and start the whole thing all over again. Um, so it, it can be, it can be, it can be have a lot of kind of further consequences and not figuring out exactly how to deliver uh, that project from the beginning because expectations can be set and are very difficult to change. And I think the best way to describe it is, is the opposite. So I actually had a company um, uh, and, and they, were pre they were paying the premium, the most premium price, like Microsoft also has consultancy services, okay? And they were paying for Microsoft consultancy services, which is that, you know, like only big companies would, would do that, right? Because it's, it's such a premium premium price. Um, and, 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 you know, I was curious and I asked this company, you know, what drove you, uh, you know, what drove you to, to hire Microsoft services to that? And, and what he said blew my mind because what he said is like, look, we're, we're going to take, and, and it's a, it's a project on visual AI. Uh, it's about, you know, they have to, um, aquaculture and grow, uh, you know, a, a fish that they grow, uh, or, or uh, organically and, you know, trying to, instead of fishing, they, they grow it in a, you know, control environment, right? So they wanted to use Visual AI to measure the how they were, were gonna grow. And and anyway, the, the point is this, they, um, when I when I asked him, why did you decided to go with um, uh, Microsoft Consultancy Services? He said, because if it fails, nobody's gonna blame me, right? So that, that if it fails, obviously he's very passionate about it and, and you know, we believe we're gonna do it because we're gonna, gonna do it. But he said, I also need that expertise companion to make sure that everybody who sees the project know that this will be successful. And if it if it's not <laughs> successful for any reason, it's not my fault or my team's fault because we were accompanied by the most expert people. And I found that that was an amazing way of viewing things because it's like, yeah, he's actually even creating a, a safe, um, safe uh, uh, you know, passage for himself. You know, it's gonna be successful, but if it isn't, it wasn't his fault. No, uh, it goes back to the old days of, you know, no one ever got fired for buying IBM uh, back in the day of when PCs were the first thing. So I, I, I understand that. I think uh, Declan said something uh, earlier, which I think is probably the crux of this whole thing. I mean, the, the, the biggest pitfall is setting the right expectations. Um, if you set the expectations right of what you're doing uh, and and understanding where you're going to go next, I think then what I'm hearing from you guys is you're not going to go far wrong. If you set the expectation that this little proof of concept that you've pulled a few modules together and you've shown that it can achieve something is going to run the whole business part of this, then you're setting the wrong expectation and you'll look like a failure. So, okay, that's, that's a really interesting um, approach. We talked about uh, brain drain if people leave. Um, you know, we, uh, Luca mentioned about potholes and dead ends. If, if you, you know, you hit a dead end because you, you can't progress any further, then that's uh, an issue as well. So that's, uh, interesting. So, um, let's, uh, let's talk about, um, because I'm really, really interested. And I guess you've segued into this really well, Giampaolo. Uh, let's talk about the, I guess the benefits of, of using experts, um, because despite the fact that you have these different layer levels, layers, ultimately, I guess what I've what I heard from you is 
you drive people to the point to reach out to experts, um, whether it's your own internal consultants or whether it's external consultants who bring in the expertise. And there's obviously a reason for that. Um, otherwise, you wouldn't do it. Uh, and I'm mindful of the fact that even in human life, uh, as we learn more, we become more niche. You know, a PhD in one subject doesn't mean they can do everything else. Um, and it seems to me that uh, people think about AI in a very broad term. So, oh, I can do AI, so I can do AI. I can do any AI. But that's what I'm hearing from you all is that's not the case. Um, it's much more specific than that. So let's talk about the benefits of uh, of using experts. What, what, what does that bring to the party? Um, Luca, I'll start with you. Yeah, um, to me, it's mostly the the guarantees that it brings. So if you choose the right partner, you see with who they worked before and were they able to solve the, the, the challenges that uh, previous clients asked, uh, it already gives you the comfort that you're going down the right direction. And then you compound on top of that a lot of other uh, uh, warranties, safety aspects, like you're going to know how much is going to cost. Uh, you can get a good idea from that partner how long it's going to take to deploy so you can properly synchronize it with delivering what you're looking mm. to deliver to the market as fast as possible. Uh, and then also making sure that you have somebody that that keeps running the engine successfully. AI needs constant maintenance uh, mm. and you may need in your solution to add new models or, or change models or adjust them and having somebody that on the fly uh, can perform those tasks for you because they do it for constantly for um, multiple other clients. To me, it's something that gives me a lot of comfort in, in the idea of running a business because I know where I'm going to end up. Uh, there's a lot of more safety and security there. Okay. Gianpaolo, I'll come to you next in terms of, you know, Microsoft and... It's just that I don't even know, like, whoever is asking that question. Like, listen, I, I think when I when I proposed to my wife, I I, I, I kind of a, did this crazy thing that I did a, a skydive jump, a tandem skydive jump, because I'm not a, a professional skydiver, right? And I, I proposed on that. And that was very, very, very nice to do because, you know, she had to say yes, right? You know, otherwise uh, the, the, the other guy wouldn't open the parachute. I'm just kidding. Honestly. That, that, that wasn't going to happen. But basically, you know, what, you know, and that, that was my first time doing skydiving. And when, when the guy approached me, you know, he said, look, I'm going to be your tandem guy. And, and I've done 150,000 jumps before I could even get a jump alone. And then I, you know, and that was like, okay, look, I'm, he, I'm safe. You know, the guy knows everything. He gave me, you're going to do this, that. Imagine my feeling if I said, okay, I'm going to do this on my own. Or even, you know, that the guy who came with me said, oh, this is my first time I'm doing a tandem thing. I would have gone crazy. I would have maybe not even do it. So even the question, like, it, it doesn't even make sense. Like, who doesn't want to have an expert? Like, why wouldn't you want to have an expert, uh, you, know, you know, doing it next to you? And making sure that project is going to be successful. I, I don't understand. And sorry, I'm, maybe I'm a little bit irreverent mm. here, but it's just that I, I don't, I don't, what? It's, you're going to pay less money? Like, uh, what? And, and but, but for what? Like, I don't want to, I don't want my tandem instructor to pay less, but with the risk of falling apart. Um, uh, you know, it's, 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 I, I don't know. I, unless you're very sure that you, you're able to do it and you're, you know, 100% confident. I would still argue, have you done skydiving before? You know, because mm. if you haven't, you're always going to need somebody to teach you first. 
And if you keep in mind the medical bills after crashing after the skydive, <laughs> it's still gonna cost you less anyhow. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That if, is if you even you, survive, right? Yeah. If you even have to have the medical bills, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, Declan, you've you've worked, you've spoken to numerous companies who are maybe at the beginning of projects. Um, you know, what are those discussions like in terms of why they reached out to, to Visua and why they might reach out to experts? Um, I suppose the, the, the examples I can, I, I've, I've had instances where we've um, spoken with people who have gone through the track of trying to do something themselves, creating a, um, you know, a nice POC, then trying to expand it out and coming across all the pitfalls that we spoke. And I think the biggest um the biggest thing they got from speaking with us was they could immediately see um and, and they could immediately see because we were experts in our field we could identify very quickly where the the, the gaps were and um, we could give them real clarity about how we would solve them but we were also able to because we're, we're expert and focused on what we're doing we're also able to say this is what we will do this is the time we'll do it in this is when we'll deliver it and this is what it will cost and you could see the relief and and the the um just their their the kind of comfort in being able to say okay we have this problem we now know how we're going to achieve it and we can go back and explain to our to the leadership how we're going to address it and because then they could feel that they could come over and back to us all the time if they came up to any other uh, problem in this area um because this is our business and this is what we're focused on um you know you could see that they then became very comfortable with with working with us and because we were experts in that field we were able to solve their problem which is in effect what business is it's about solving a set of problems every day um and they could say okay we can in effect outsource that problem now to somebody who knows what they're doing and we know how much it's going to cost us and we can keep moving and start developing our tools so it's like somebody who's kind of come to a, a, a scenario where um, not not through any fault of their own specifically, but they came to a, a roadblock where they couldn't see their way past a problem, came along with somebody who knew how to address it and were then in effect able to outsource it to them. Very good, very good. Are there any sort of final comments from you guys as we draw to a close on this generally? I think the the only thing I would say to people is it, the, the, you know, the, there are lots of things to consider and lots and lots of moving parts around AI. Um, I think one thing that you should always consider when you're looking at using any provider, any service, is to make sure that it's not just a a what would we call it a, like a faceless service where you you just you know you 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 present data and you get something back and you've no interaction and no way of of um, configuring and no way of discussing what your requirements are. It's always important to make sure that. Um, if you're engaging with some experts, if you're engaging with any teams, to make sure that you have access to, um, to, to experts within their teams where they can say, and they can show that they're, they're really interested in doing is solving your problem, not interested in just giving you some technology or some, some, some tool, etc. that they're, they're really interested in solving your problem. And if that's their goal, and if that's the way they, they focus on their business, um, that's where you'll get the most value uh, for, for mm. trying to provide your own solutions. Okay, and given the complexity of AI, um, something I always like to keep in mind is also focus on the values of those providers of, of AI have, because AI is so complex, perhaps you'd rather have somebody that is very transparent in the conversation. So 
if there is any challenge, you're going to be able to, it's going to come up straight away. You're going to be able to discuss it together and, and understand how to, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to, to solve it. Um, but also somebody that is, you know, extremely passionate about what they're doing because AI is something new and those that are truly passionate about it will have an edge, uh, from those that are just doing it to do a business. Uh, so right. those values is something I, I would keep in mind as well when, when looking for, for partners to work with. I guess to your point, there's also a lot of ethical questions around AI generally. So you've got to make sure the ethics of the provider matches your ethics. You don't want a provider that's doing funky things somewhere that you don't want to be associated with. So I get that. Um, any last comments from you, Gianpaolo? I, I think, you know, maybe the conversation, it seemed like we're, we're telling people, oh, don't do it, right? And, and yeah. you know, only do it if your parent is with you or something like that, right? And you're going to get burned. But actually, no, I think, I think you know, it, it, it's an easy two-step because it, it's actually easy. The, you know, and I think Declan put it very nicely. The tools, Microsoft tools and other providers' tools, they allow you to build POCs very quickly. So, you know, you're not jumping in a, in a ghost town or in a forest that you don't even know where to start. So at, at, at least that's given to you, okay? And then once you've realized this is actually achievable, then make sure that you bring somebody along with you, okay? To make sure that you land the, the project correctly. Um, and that's that's the beauty of it, right? Before, sometimes you would tackle a project where you have no idea what to expect or even, even the thought of having a pilot would be so dear that you're like, oh, this is this is such a high mind to, to climb. Right now you can you can pilot it you can you can trial okay but make sure that's not a production um, uh, environment. Very good guys, thank you so much. Um, I think we can leave it there. Uh, I'll summarize as follows what I've learned uh, hopefully everyone watching this and listening uh, has learned too is that there is a time and place for both DIY visual AI and for outsourcing. Um, I guess it's all about understanding the position you're in, the size, scope and complexity of the project. And uh, when you need it, and if you have the budget to see it through. Having your own solution has many long-term benefits, but there are also many rabbit holes and pitfalls along the way. So if you're not able or prepared to see it through, uh, you could summarize it as don't even start. Um, so thank you, Declan, Luca, uh, for your expertise. And obviously very special thank you to you, Gianpaolo, for lending us your time and valuable insights from a different provider's perspective. Look out for our next episode where we'll be looking at phishing. That's the kind spelt with a PH um, and how Visual AI provides a really intriguing new approach to detecting the latest kind of graphical based attack vectors used by bad actors. So see you next time. Thank you very much. And thank you guys again. Thanks for the invite. Thanks.